To the first comics news podcast. Welcome to the first comics news podcast. I am senior editor, or actually managing editor. You got to uh, upgrade. I got to upgrade, yes. Um, Matthew Suchek. And I am Gabe Easley. I am a reviewer and podcaster for First Comics News. I did not get an upgrade. No, no. Mostly downgraded. We were trying to downgrade. Uh, they, Yeah, they, they tried to let me go, but I just wouldn't leave. Yes. Um, how have you been? Good. Yeah. I've, I've been, we've been uh, missing our podcasting. We're getting behind. Getting yeah. behind. Uh, so many things happening too. It's it's killing me. We gotta. We need to be a little bit more proactive on our scheduling. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> have you been reading anything? Anything popping into mind besides the new releases? No. You actually you gave me a a laundry list of uh, old eighties and nineties comics to read and read them. I did a lot of old. Um, Archie Comics and uh, New Crusaders, the the old Black Hood, um, the what did he give? He gave me the Shield. He gave me um, Steel Sterling. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Those were interesting. It was interesting to they they had very eighties um, like plot lines going yeah. on. Very very eighties. Very eighties. A few of them had the classic uh, Rob Liefeld. I'm not Rob Liefeld, but I'm going to draw like him kind of thing that was going on when he came out. When Everyone really wanted to emulate his style. Um, but I actually, I did actually enjoy quite a few of those. Um, but not, not as much as the rebooted ones. Those, the ones that are coming out currently are amazing. Yeah, I mean, just a little more of the backstory, the history of the characters. The it was interesting, yeah, the, yeah. to see the the Black Hood was was more of a Punisher style guy, and um, but he had he really had that '90s kind of like I don't know what he was doing with the the steel arm thing going on there. It was just a uh, you know. Yeah, they hit their stride with this last. Reboot. Oh yeah, and uh, now they're kicking on all cylinders there. Yeah, they really are. Um, and I, I read um, you gave me a few of the old uh, was it the Adventurers? Oh, the old black and white, the old uh, black and white, basically D and D campaign. Yeah, that yeah. someone turned into a comic book. I thought uh, that was uh, pretty interesting. I, I would love to be playing in a game that had people that dedicated to their role playing. Um, it was uh, very cool. I mean, it, the art was fantastic for us. An independent comic book. Oh, wow. You know, very detailed. If you remember the black and white boom from the 80s, there was a lot of junk, a lot of The only thing I remember that readable. was actually any good that was black and white was the Ninja Turtles. Um, 
and uh, the Tick. Yep, I was gonna say the Tick, and then there was a couple other ones like Vietnam War Journal, uh, a few other small comics like that. But the majority, ninety percent of it, was all crap. You're right. That's so. true. But that that Adventures was gangbusters. And that for one summer, that was unbelievably hot. And then just no more. No more. Cooled off. Couldn't meet the deadlines. Mm. They didn't get. They didn't get into their campaign far enough. I'd actually like to look into uh, finding out what happened to that, the people who made it and stuff, see if they ever did anything else. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. That well, might be where a, are they now? That might be an idea for um, a, a different style of podcast. I have to put on my Sherlock Holmes hat and <laughs> see if I can hunt these people down. I mean, it has been uh, 30 years. Has it? Yeah. Jeez. Mid-80s, so. It was good. It was, uh, you know, it had like the. I, I was surprised that uh, they entered. They went to the trouble of introducing all eight of these, you know, crazy characters: the ninja girl and the angry dwarf, and then and the like the the cool old battered Norseman. And they, they introduce all these guys, and they're like, "All right, this one's gonna die." Hey, he rolled low on his, uh... Yeah, I, I liked that. Gosh, I, I liked know? that about it. They pulled it was, no it punches. Ugly. All right, uh, this week's big release uh, was uh, part of the Journey to the Force Awakens. Woo. Uh, Star Wars Shattered Empire Issue 1. Uh, this ties in with the uh, Force Friday. Uh, they had the Star Wars Aftermath novel come out. They had three, four young adult tie-in books. Uh, part of the journey to the Force Awakens, uh, all kinds of good stuff. They had uh, Chewbacca standees. They had a Target. Target they had, had, a, had a hell of a display. I managed to get all the whole set of figures from the Force Awakens, so I did pretty good for myself. That's uh, very good. I didn't go out that night. I just went out the following day after work and tracked them all down. But uh, Shattered Empire takes place the same time as the novel Aftermath. And it picks up directly after the Battle of Endor. Yeah. Um, I mean, directly, you know, the first couple. So, looking at the cover, it's kind of, it seems like it's kind of vibing Heir to the Empire style. The blue background, the same kind of art styling. It's called Shattered Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, do you think that was a conscious decision, or am I reading too much into it? You may be reading a, a smidge into it. I know a lot of people dump on the Timothy Zahn era of stretching the the uh, Star Wars world as far as it can go, you know. But people wanted people wanted this story twenty years ago. They didn't want to wait around until twenty fifteen. Yeah, I mean, and they they did operate under a lot of restrictions about they couldn't talk about Anakin, they couldn't talk about the, the Clone Wars, they couldn't talk about pre Star Wars times. Which no. really limits it, and that was the biggest disappointment for me. With was when I picked up uh, the first what was that Herod of the Emperor? Herod of the Emperor, yeah. And I actually, I mean, back then there was no internet, so I was in Walden Books at the Lincoln Mall, and I happened to walk by, and it was on an end cap, <laughs> and I almost, I got weak in the legs. I was like, no way. What happens after Star Return of the Jedi? I, I, they discovered lizards that deny <laughs> people the Force. Yes, that was weak, and but I remember being so disappointed that. I think there was like three, two sentences from Vader 
or Anakin, as the case may be, pretty much just saying, you know, I can't stay. I tell your sister I'm sorry. And then right. Obi-Wan was like, well, I can't stay either. So there was like... <laughs> that, was, that was the worst part was that I thought, oh, Obi-Wan showed up on Dagobah. So he's going to be like going, hey, yeah. man, here's, here's how you rebuild wisdom. the Jedi Order. You know? Just, and, right. he's, and Luke's in his ship and Obi-Wan's like, hey, man, got to bounce. It, uh, was, it was so we I remember just being disappointed. I was like, really? This, you're not going to... I mean, I, at the time, I didn't understand the that they were planning on doing prequels and that that was off limits. You know, that you couldn't bring back clones of the Emperor. You couldn't do anything with cloning yet. All this and that. So there was a lot of restrictions on them. But they did give us Mara Jade. Yeah. And they gave us Talon Card. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, The wild card. The Talon Card. Mara, well, anyway. I know Mara Jade. Anyway, that's what I'm saying. It I mean, wasn't all Yeah, I mean, that's worth 182 terrible. novels. <laughs> Only, pro- and a hundred of them are about how badass the Mandalorians are. Yeah, my my problem with the books, besides the limit, you know, the limitations they had, was strictly, I didn't think they were very original. Every big arc seemed to have a new Death Star being built, well, and it yeah, was like the Galaxy Killer, or... you know, the Star Eater. It always had to one up the same plot of Star Wars, and then Luke forming the new Jedi Order, and. He has a son who turns to the dark side, and he turns like, to the oh dark side. Yeah, and it was it was very interesting. Now, in hindsight, where you have the prequels, where the Jedi fell apart because they said, you know, no love, you know, none of this attachments, this emotions. You know, they got right. too carried away with it. Was like a fundam- It was like Christianity. You know, if you have it and you go, oh, I go once a week, and but everyone, you know, turn the other cheek is great. But when you get really hardcore and like you cannot love. You know, a woman who who's not a virgin. Then you got start going into this. That's true. This then, really then, then the young men are like, "Hey, yeah, oh, did you make this rule after you were a young dude?" Yeah. Tell me, Mace Windu didn't get some back in All over it. There's a lot of little Mace Windus running around the galaxy. <laughs> little, from what I understand, some little Windus. But the whole point of it was, the Jedi failed because they were detached from from feelings, because and Luke conquered it. With love. True. But the writers of the new novel said, well, Luke's going to make the same mistakes. You're going to have detachment. You're going to have a Jedi Order. You're going to have people fall into the dark side. You're going to pretty much do the same mistakes Yoda made. So instead of having personal growth and coming up with a new story, they just went back to what they thought worked. Yes. And it didn't really work. I mean, who's to say it didn't work? People bought... And read and sure. memorized what is now a completely defunct canon. We, so we call them hey, myths. Guess what? You guys that that used all your brain space for that, you need to do a lobot and dump it. Dump it. Flush it. Speaking of lobot, Lando. Let's talk about Lando number three. Lando number three. We're gonna skip right over Shattered Empire. I like it. <laughs> you are you are unpredictable <laughs> with your segues. Uh, okay, Lando. We're gonna work back around. We're gonna to work back Empire. around to it. All right, so Lando number three. Uh, I mean, it's issue three. It's still it, you it's know you, the you know story. it's halfway. You're at the halfway point. Um, I don't know. You, you've got what, the two Panther people. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're fighting the Royal Guards. Fighting Royal. And it's cool to see the Royal Guard. Guards actually get into some action. Yeah, I still think they're very freaking cool. Lobot, we're kind of getting. An idea of why Lobot may not have much of a personality 
in the later years. That's right. He, he he's hurt. He's injured. Yep. Um, and uh, I mean, it, actually, not a lot. There's a lot of fight scene in Lando Number Three. Previously, <laughs> we've had a lot of Lando BSing his way through many panels. Yeah, it's, it's your typical midway point story. It is. It's a little, you know, they, yeah. They, they're kind of establishing it. The the hook is there's a lot of they realize they have Sith artifacts, and it's inter- I always find it interesting that people don't know the Emperor is a Sith Lord. You know, because we we see everything through his evil side. We never see like just the oh well, he united the worlds. He was hurt in the attack. You know, he stays out of <laughs> you know. But I mean, relatively peace. Again, Clone Wars went on for you know what a decade just yeah, about. Yeah, it was a long time. You know, so you know he he brought the peace. He said the Jedi betrayed him and put out the public affairs, and a lot of people buy into that. Yeah, I think really that what. They're, I think what Lando's finally realized in this issue is that he has stolen Hitler's treasure, and well, yeah. you know what I mean. Well, he, well, Hitler was still alive. While Hitler was still alive, and there's still with a, Germany, a lot of power without passports. Yeah. So, um, he's he's in danger. He's in danger from basically having the Empire's baddest bounty hunter on him. He's fighting, uh, I don't know, he's fighting the Emperor's personal guards, or he's having his people do it for him. Mm-hmm. His best friend's in serious uh, critical condition. And, but I, you know what, though? What I loved is, I'm reading all this, and it's like, ah, oh, this is bad, this is bad. He's stealing this, he's stealing that. And then, all you know, they, like, unmask one of the dead Imperial Guards, and Lando's like, oh, she used to be really hot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear about your conquests, Lando. Lando gets everywhere. Everywhere. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, again, hard to judge. It's a five-issue series, so this is one of those things that will be at the end of the miniseries. You can look back and say, middle story. Yeah, you know it progressed. There was some nice action scenes, and that plot thickens. I mean, it's almost a it's a heist story. It is, and now they they're starting to discover just what they've stolen. Yeah, and who it is they've stolen it from. So the next two issues, I'd expect to be pretty. I'm, uh, I'm interested to, to see if he gets to keep any of it at all, like, or if it's going to be like an Indiana Jones style ending. Yeah, I don't know. Or the, the Sith helmet gets shoved into the oh, the helmet that comes. Yep. At the yep. end, so very cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nice middle story. Art's good, solid. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean... Can't really say anything <laughs> bad about it, but it's still the middle part of a five-part it, it, issue. It, I'm not I'm not as excited about it as one or two. It doesn't open No, that, no. The big reveal doors. that they stole Palpatine was a great way to end it. And yeah. And, you know, the trouble they're in. But uh, Darth Vader, the other new issue. Uh, comic from Star Wars uh, before Chewbacca comes out. Yeah. And a C-3PO one-shot. Oh. Yes. Explaining oh, how he got his red arm from the, that he has in the trailer. For, really? Uh, Force Awakens. Yes, sir. Uh, interesting. It is very interesting. Uh, Darth Vader uh, is That's... all slowly, I mean, it's chugging along at a slow pace. Um, it's interesting that you say that because the intro of this one is him saying how slow the rebels are. <laughs> <laughs> very inefficient with their uh, dying. Um, we we get to see more of these um, 
these other Sith underlings. Yeah, the wannabe replacements. Yeah, the, we get to see the the Psycho twins in action. Um, I, they are not. They do not not even have the negotiating skills of Darth Vader. You know. Yeah. They get through it all. They basically massacre a room full of scumbags. Yep. To get information. And Darth and his new handler is, is this guy his yeah, handler. Fanoff. He's Fanoff. like an investigator for the Empire. This guy goes CSI all over yeah. that little heist. So Darth Vader is doing shit under the table. Yeah. He's hired. He's hired bounty know. hunters. He's he's sending feelers out around the galaxy. He's trying to find Luke, but without the Emperor knowing who he is. Right. And, and he, he's covered up his tracks pretty well. And this guy's on the surface skimming. And he's asking questions like he, he suspects Vader, you know. Yep. And it, it, they're, they're going back and forth. You know, it's a lot of talking. And, and, it was, and, and this guy is like basically going through... He's he's looking through the wreckage of their their little heist where they stole all of that money, um, with his little team of bounty hunters, and uh, this guy's like, oh, they must have done this. They wanted it to look like a meteor, but uh, obviously it wasn't a meteor. It was something else. These guys made off with this. We should be able to wrap this up in a couple days. So yeah, Vader's. Vader's in trouble. Yeah, you can't he, get rid of this guy. Legitimately. Yeah, he's, it's good. It's it's a nice counterpoint to Vader, always being in charge. And yeah, because he just can't people. force choke this guy. No, you know this is sent from the Emperor, and you know it's a it, it's another test, and it's interesting. It's going to be very interesting. The uh, the big payoff at the end was they were looking uh, for names, mm-hmm. uh, and they they get the information through unofficial channels. And it is a Commodex uh, Tan uh, is the name that they tracked down. Yep. And it's revealed that... You ready? They were morticians. On? Naboo. Boom. Every time you... Whenever you get Naboo into the mix, you're bridging the gap. That's right. Vader was, again, originally told by the Emperor that he killed his wife. Yes. Force choked her. She died. Yep. And now he's going to try to track down the people who took care of the body, cause of death, this or that, mm-hmm. you know, and find out the truth, which uh, is good. I mean, I'm, should, uh, every time I they throw Naboo like, in there, it's like a slap across I the face. I don't know, man. I feel timing. like this could end badly for the Emperor. Like, he could get chucked down a sh- shaft at some point. Yeah, he hasn't learned to, to be uh, honest with his underling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it it's good. I mean, it it really shows. You know, Vader. Uh, he's not just all force choking people from great distances. You know, he, he's he's pretty damn clever, covering his tracks and doing it all under the grid and hiding this from the Emperor. I like it that you get to see a lot of his personality kind of coming to the forefront uh, instead of just being the strong arm of the right. Emperor. He's yeah, he's put together a but team. It, he's got. Like, but it also what's interesting with this is it's providing all the backstory. For the Empire Strikes Back. When Vader finally finds Luke, tests him, and then says, come with me, we'll overthrow the Emperor and we'll rule together. And it's, this is the whole backstory of how he found out, how he tried to get to Luke first. His, why he would overthrow the Emperor. Why he wasn't loyal. You know, why he suddenly turns and throws the Emperor down the pit at the end. You know, it's it's the browbeating, the, 
you know, the humiliation, the the betrayal from the Emperor. And you could tell, as a kid, I didn't know. You know, well, join me and we'll overthrow the Emperor. Was that... Yeah. This, well, that, he wasn't was, planning on doing that. He was no. too loyal. Then you get start to get these backstories, and it's like, now you look at that yeah, scene yeah. and you're like... Oh, the Emperor he thought been... He thought his wife and unborn kids, he killed them. And now he's found out... Well, he didn't know he had kids. That's just that she was pregnant. And now he knows his son's alive. And now he meets him and he offers him a chance to team up. And overthrow the person who I eventually, I figure he'll find out Palpatine is involved at some point. And have his son and his family and what him and Padme created. And that's going to be the payoff. And then when Luke just says never and falls off and Vader's just looking at him, he must be been like, oh, Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, what... When I was your age, <laughs> the poor Vader. when I was your age, I watched someone throw Mace Windu out the window, <laughs> and I became the most second most powerful guy in the universe. And he doesn't, he doesn't understand why Luke refuses. No, because you know, Luke wasn't corrupt. Luke was right. trained by Obi Wan. And, and they spent three days together on a starship, and he got more out of that than ten years of clone warring clone that his father got. That's the. It's, uh, that's what must kill Vader deep down is that he knows Luke is better than he is. Oh yeah, he knows it, and he and the Emperor knows that he's not as good as he was supposed to be. Right. I think I. You, you can see they're really good about the Emperor's disappointment in Vader. Oh, absolutely. His, his failings. His failings completely. I mean, Vader basically had to hunt down every Jedi and murder them after Order sixty six. You know. He said, okay, you're in charge of hunting all these down because you're not you're not going to be as powerful as I thought you were, so I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah, we're going to have some replacements, people who aren't machines, and maybe a few modified fish that, you know, <laughs> I can turn into just as good as you. But I think at some point, maybe in Return of the Jedi, where uh, and maybe the Emperor says he, he can be more powerful than both of us. You know, something to that effect, like we have to turn him or kill him. Yeah. I mean, but it, getting all this backstory makes you watch those scenes and, like, what discussions did they have where he's like, we're going to have to kill him. And Anakin's like, we're not going to kill my son. Kill and then my he's son. You already just, told me he was dead. Yeah, then turn him. If you can turn him, he'll live. And and he's thinking, yeah, but I'm going to turn him. But then he and I are going to be in charge and go on father yeah. son, you know. And the Emperor's going to replace Vader with Luke. Vader's to get team up with Luke. And Luke's, and Luke's gonna redeem like, his father. It's it's great stuff and who will do it? This this whole backstory I find just fascinating. It's a, it's great writing, it's great mapped out. You can tell people still everyone who writes these comic books loves Star Wars Universe and is serious about it, and I'm sure that there is someone. I haven't looked, but I'm sure that there is a uh, you know a chronicler overseeing all of these going, yes, you can do that. Right. That, that That's is the uh, wrong Luca- timeline. That's the Lucasfilm story group. And they have the big wall filled with all the plot points. And their core, everything has to go through that group, and they approve it. They tie things think in. Think about how important those nerds are. Very important. You, like, very, like, very important. Think about, I think about what my mother who said, ah, you have a lot of information, but you should get you should really use information in other ways. Think about this: you are now 
working for Disney, getting paid like the mob. The mob. Because you know all the minute details of the Star Wars universe that your parents told you you might have been wasting your time. That's why you need to make sure your children know that it's important to remember. That's right. We just watched Star Wars the other night. Good. Working our way through it. Good dad. So circle back around to Shattered Empire. Shattered Empire. Uh, First issue, not as good as the Star Wars issue one. That was just like... No, that's, that thing blew me away. This uh, is no. an introduction, a weaving of uh, the story of the end of Return of the Jedi in from the eyes of a couple of other Yeah, people. the first half of the story is just the battle in battle space. Battle for Endor, yeah. Uh, they introduce a, a new character, a couple new characters into the battle. A marriage couple. A married couple. Uh, same thing that the uh, Aftermath novel does. They introduce characters who fought at the Battle of Endor mm-hmm. and then are going on to do other things. So it's giving you more personality in that instead of just Lando, Han, you know, and Wedge. There's a, there's a lot of what people about, there yeah, who fought. Neon Nub was there? Neon Nub. Well, he was with Lando. How can I know? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it's recap almost of Return of the Jedi, and it picks up. It is. Pretty much the big reveal that it's why they delayed this book, I don't know, a week for whatever reason. So they wouldn't reveal that uh that Poe Dameron's parents were at the Battle of Endor. Okay. Uh, uh I can't remember his name. Uh, what was his Kez. name? Kez. Kez Dameron. Kez Dam Sergeant Kez Dameron of the Pathfinders was hanging out with uh Chewie and Han. Yeah, yeah, they, they both parents fought at the Battle of Endor. And she was a green wing a she was a Green Squad A-Wing pilot, mother, lieutenant. Mm. Uh, yeah, it is... You find that, but that's... Bay, Lieutenant, lieutenant Bay. Bay. So what you have are, yes, the Poe Dameron's parents were veterans of the Battle of Endor. You get a cute scene with the Ewoks trying to fly her ship, which, to me, that ship is interesting because it looks like a, a modified or a... a a newer version of the uh, the clone attack uh, yeah, shuttle. Yeah, it, it very much looks like something from the Clone Wars era. So I wonder if it's like the same company. Is he, there's, you know what I mean? They always do that really good thing where they have a ship design and they kind of naturally accelerate what a company would do with their designs to make it look like it would five, ten years later. You know, so the yeah. whoever. Whatever Incom or whoever, like the T-70, you know this because you got the new Force Awakens X-Wing game. Yeah. The X-Wing in there has the separated engine. The the, the T-70 X-Wing is different from the other X-Wing. You haven't even looked at it? I haven't even opened it yet. You are, you disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) But you can, what I'm saying is that they do a great job of making the ships look like a company has gone and said, okay, well, here's the new design. This looks, yeah. let's update this. I did a series of uh, video unboxings with Lucas where we opened up all 12 figures, three figures per episode. Wow. And every time I was like, you know, Kylo Ren looks like a Star Wars character, sounds like a Star Wars character. You know, they, they just look good. They look like they belong, you know, like they fit in. They did such a great job. It's under, I, it, it's just so great. It's just so damn cool. We keep saying it, but it's a great time to be alive. It is. Um, other comics I took I took a look at this week. IDW has a comic. Uh, I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. 
And they have uh, the 7% Solution Issue 2. Uh, it's coming out either this week or next week. Uh, it's based. It's an ad- adaptation of the Nicholas Myers novel from the mid-70s. And this was... When the book came out, it was a found story. Oh. Uh, so I think they made it into a movie as well. And what they, the premise was, and he was the first one to do this, was Watson wrote a book that he couldn't release until something like 50 years after his death. So it was locked up in a vault. After 50 years, it was published. Right. And it tells the story of uh, Holmes and his addiction to opiate and, uh, oh. and such. And him being tricked, he, he becomes obsessed with Moriarty, who in his mind and in the books is a great criminal mastermind, but mm-hmm. in this movie is just a professor. He's just an innocent guy. Huh. But Holmes in his addiction sees this labyrinth of evil. He's too clever. So Mycroft and Watson set up that he's going to Vienna. So they go after him and they wind up uh, taking him to Sigmund Freud's house to have him, you know, try to help analyze him. him. Wow. And a uh, very famous book. That's the one that kicked off this whole lost Stories of That's Watson actually that really cool published. because when you think about the the one like thing, the one real weakness of Sherlock Holmes is that he never shuts his brain off. Yeah, he's constantly thinking and overthinking, and you know people that are like that. They just they and never shut down. When he had, he had slow times, he'd he'd go and do drugs and try to. That was his release, so he could relax if there was nothing exciting going on. Isn't that weird? Can you imagine being in that era and you know, you get your little penny, penny paper, and you you want to read the latest Sherlock Holmes story, and here he is, you know, doing coke <laughs> or, or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, this is Victorian England. People are reading this, going, oh, "Fucking Joe!" Yeah, I gotta go down to the opium den. I have one right around the corner. It's like a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> They're everywhere in England. But very cool. Uh, and Nicholas Myers was involved with the adaptation, so it, it's cool that they uh, are doing that. And one that we had talked about before was Dave, with uh, four for the letter A. Yes. About the robot, the, robot. the old hero who got a monotonous office job until aliens came down. Yeah. Uh, the collected editions coming out. Good. Uh, collecting all five issues. I'm very cur- curious about how what they did with that because I thought that first issue was really yeah, great. Yeah, I read the first two, then I lost track of it, so I had a chance to read all five. We get a lot of comic books on our desks, and yes. it's hard to get through all of them that we want to and the other one uh coming out again either this week or next week uh was tet issue zero uh, issue one um and i loved the old nam comic from marvel the nam yeah and i loved uh uh, vietnam journal from apple uh comics which was a, a more gritty black and white violent again written by a veteran who mm-hmm. of vietnam uh, around the same era uh, Tet takes place uh, right before and during the Tet Offensive. Wow. And it's actually a, a murder mystery, pretty much, a crime story where uh, there's a lieutenant, uh, Eugene, uh, what the hell did I, I can't even write, read my, the guy's last <laughs> name, who was a translator in Vietnam. Yeah. And he has plans to get engaged to a, a Vietnamese girl and bring her back to America. And he's hanging out with his friend Chip. Uh, who's an intelligence officer, and, you know, they, whatever, do, you know, back in Vietnam, you go and get a girl or whatever. And that was Chip's weakness, and uh, 
Eugene gets called in and because he's a translator, he's going to accompany in a, a detective because they found Chip dead along with a high-ranking uh, Southern Vietnam Southern Vietnam uh, military guy. Oh. But they had suspected he was actually a spy. So they're getting ready to investigate. Uh, the guy who he's teamed up with doesn't like him, obviously. You know, the best story. Uh, sees him as kind of like a white, you know, infidel in his country who's going to help him investigate this murder. A lot of mid-80s movies were like this, where they had, like, the foreign guy coming in to help with an investigation. The, the one where they were the, what's his name, uh, Whitey McWhiterson is in Japan uh, investigating the Yakuza. With, yeah, that was uh, with, uh, Black Rain? What's his name? Yes. Black, Black Rain. Rain. Uh, you had the one with Schwarzenegger and Belushi. Where Schwarzenegger was, was a Russian was detective. Oh my god! And he came god, over. They and, made that movie. Yeah, and uh, there was a whole bunch of them back in the day. Kohai and Senpai. You know, mixed culture thing. I mean, Jackie Chan made three or four of them with Luke Ol- was it Luke Olson, where they're oh god, Jet, know, Jet Li even, made or a Rush couple. Hour. You know, with Chris Tucker, where you had the foreign guy and the American guy. Yeah. And that's a classic, but. It's it's a dense story, you know. They're getting into the investigation, and right as they start the investigation, it's the morning of the Tet Offensive. So, oh, so it's going to be an interesting read. That's that is that's very interesting. You can see that's the thing about uh, you can never tell what you're going to get out of a comic. I mean, until you pick it up and read it. You I don't. Know, I don't know how many know copies they're going to order of the Tet issue one, but if you have good memories of the name and such. This is actually kind of an, an an interesting book for IDW. Uh, they're teaming up with the Comics Experience, which is a, a group of creators and stuff. So they're working with them to publish some of their stuff. Uh, so it's very cool. I, I liked it a lot. And if you see it and that seems like something you're interested in, uh, please do check it out. Okay. Do you, do you have anything to bring to the table? Uh, I actually started reading... Um, I started my journey... On the Knights of the Dinner Table comic book. Yes. Um, how, how far have you gone? I read through the first Bundle of Trouble trade paperback, which I guess That's Three is, issues. Man, I gotta tell you. Those are really long issues. Yes. And I don't know... I, is it because there's so much... Text in there? Yeah, it's all all it's all humorous. At a table and... It's all humorous, and you, you know, you, he he says Jolly Blackburn. He says himself that he's a terrible artist. Yeah. So, a lot of times in a normal comic story, a reaction image will do just as much as text. Since he can't draw that, it's got to come yeah. from his text, and and it's. Frankly, it's hilarious. It reminds me of of everyone I've ever played a game with in a role playing game. But of course, we will discuss that further in another format. But I, man, I need to get through more of those. But they are that is one of the most time consuming comic books I've I've read. Yeah, now, when you, I just got I think issue two hundred and twenty four. And again, these are something like 64 pages. You get the 24 pages of story, like you got in the old days. And then you get uh, role-playing adventures. You get reviews of games. 
You get uh, opinion pages, you get letter pages, you get featured game store pages, you get all kind God, there's so much stuff in the, each issue. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's almost like just a little. They publish a North. Uh, it, was, it was, I think it was back, published back in the Dragon Magazine, the Dungeon Magazine, Nor Norbert. Norbert, yeah, the yeah. Little, little henchman yeah. guy, yeah. I think that's it. He looks like a lizard kind of thing, and there's a beautiful girl with him. No, not Norbert, actually, no. Oh. I think about it. it was uh, Elmore Leonard. So, someone very famous, he brought it back, for, and it, now it's in the back pages of this. They have a couple different comic strips. Huh. Um so it's quite the book. Hopefully, uh, we're going to do a podcast talking about each 10 issues, about what the kind of the themes to talk about, role-playing in general. So we'll work our way through all 224 issues. And, and along the way, we're also not just going to give you a synopsis of that, but when when you read these, if you are interested in role-playing games, or if you've been to a game store, or if you uh, have played games or you know you know these people you know the store owner. if you've ever slung dice you're gonna you're gonna see a lot the to magic enjoy. the old school magic jokes were hilarious to me yeah you're gonna go through the the rise of magic when uh the company uh hard eight enterprises in the comic book who make the Hackmaster game they get into that craze they create a game called spell jacked that is hilarious and they have a miniature game that they put out uh <laughs> I mean, I won't. Th th this isn't spoiling anything because you can have so many stories. But they put out a uh, there's a the, the Gary Steve J Gary, Gary Jackson, Jackson, yeah, the Steve combination Jackson, of Ga Gygax. Gary Gygax and Steve Jackson. He had a famous no series of novels where he wrote about a dwarf with a wooden leg. One leg was like a peg leg. Very famous in this comic book, and he finally he was going to release a miniature of him, and uh, they they flipped the schematics so the wrong leg was the peg leg. So they're going to sit on six trailer loads of these figures. So he comes up with the idea of chopping them up, you know, legs, arms, body, head, and randomly inserting them into hacker jacks and build, <laughs> and build your own dwarf kits. And people are buying box after box trying to get the, the, the right leg. And, and it's, I mean, he's just such a, a dirty scam artist. And, you know, it's it just funny. And uh, they go and he becomes a pretty big character in the story. Uh, how they milk the fans wow. uh, is very interesting and funny. And I can't wait till you start getting caught up on it because there's a lot of plots that we're going to have a good time talking about. It's funny because it's I'm already into this going, God, I remember when people, when Magic Crack showed up yeah. and it was all people could talk about. And role playing is dead. Yeah. And it, it's funny to. It's funny that both of these things are, are still around and they're owned by the same company now, more or less. Yeah. All right, so we're going to wrap it up so you can get on to your D&D game and Speaking I can go of. to my police academy. Oh, police academy. Yeah. Speaking of what? Speaking of role-playing games. Yeah. Oh. We're going to go role-play and you're going to go... Excellent. I'm going to go cop. learn how to be a cop. So uh, we'll be back again, maybe, next week. No, you'll be gone still in uh, Indiana, uh, Georgia, or wherever. I will, no, I will be back. Um, I will be back so we can indeed do another Wednesday podcasting. Right. So let's uh, write that on your chalkboard. Next Wednesday we'll be back with the newest comics. 
and uh, hopefully some besides Star Wars, so we can feature some of the other great books we read. Yeah, we'll keep we'll, getting in we'll, there. We'll get in there. So, thank you very much for watching. Uh, again, I'm Matt, a managing editor at FirstComicsNews.com. <laughs> I'm Gabe, reviewer, podcaster, and slacker. And we'll see you in a week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the First Comics News Podcast. Send show feedback to podcast at firstcomicsnews.com. Visit us on the web at firstcomicsnews.com for all your comic, movies, TV, and gaming news. Podcast is copyright Matthew Suchek, Patrick Crow, and Richard Barber. Thank you.